Cooking for 100, ILI Masterminds, and an operator's experience with EMAT. All of that secret in the book. Secret handshakes. And secret handshakes that we know exist within the industry. All of that and more on today's show. Plus a really good chance to hear how sometimes a good Q&A question that we get can appear on the show. So take a listen, submit your questions if you have them, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to today's edition of Pipeline Things. I am your host, Rhett Dotson, my co-host, Mr. Christopher DeLeon. And as you can see, we are in yet another again, another undisclosed location with a chair in the middle of us, which means that we have a fun guest to introduce to you guys today. Um, Before we get started today, and it's going to tie into today's episode, um, Chris, at home... I have some fun I want to share with you. I don't know how you motivate your kids to help in the house, but you guys know out there that I have four kids, so we're a family of six. It's Mm. busy. Uh, We started started encouraging our kids to help cook, to teach them life skills. Mm. Um, Yeah. You know, you you think cooking is is secondhand uh, or or easy, right? It depends. I I would say cooking for 100 people for me is easier than cooking for two people. I'm just going to say cooking in general. Okay. When you think about... The steps in cooking. <laughs> like, it's a lot of stuff mm. comes natural to us as adults. There's actually a really funny YouTube video out there okay. where a guy asked his kids to create procedures to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, mm. and he just shreds their procedures, right? So it's like, put the peanut butter on the toast, and he's like, putting it on the side, and then it's like, stack this piece of bread together, and he flips them and does it backwards. How'd the kids respond? Were they frustrated? Oh, they kept, yeah, they kept trying to rewrite their procedures, and he was his point of his post on LinkedIn, it was really funny, was procedures are harder than you think. That guy's I, about to get a whole lot of views now. Everybody's going to go look for yeah, it. Yeah, if I can find that repost, I would, it was really funny. I actually really enjoyed watching it. But I saw this firsthand with my, my kids last night. So my daughter was making macaroni and cheese. Okay. And I'm thinking like... Like the little cup with water put in the microwave? No, no, no. no. Like she was making Boiling homemade water. macaroni and cheese. Like you had to bake it in the oven. Oh, you baked the, it. Yeah, right. Not the boil, so, not like the the craft, like boil the water with the powder. Yeah, and this was from a kid's cookbook. So the kid's cookbook had some, you would think, fairly easy steps to yeah. follow. And I'm constantly like, okay, Aubrey, what's the next step? Did you read the next step? Yeah. And it should be like, it'd be like, mix these three ingredients together. And she's like, Dad, is this mixed? And mixed to her was like, just stir once. And I'm like, no, you actually have to mix it. She's like, well, do I mix it in this bowl? Do I mix it in yeah. a different bowl? So do you think you being present complicated it more or less? Oh, look, my presence made sure that we had something that was edible <laughs> that came out at the end of the night, right? Um, and then, you know, it's really That's funny because my other kids, like Caleb That's finishes good. and he's like, dude, I finished cooking. I'm like Gordon Ramsay. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, are you, are you serious? And Morgan and I look at each other and we're thinking like, if we hadn't been here, like everything in the oven would have been burned to a crisp. That you would, got- I'm going to be honest with you. That sounded like a great opportunity to have a camera, like the big brother type scenario where you're just like watching the kid dynamics happen. No, cause it started rough. Cause the first thing I did, I was like, Aubrey, it's like a large pot. She's like, what's a pot? I'm like, you, oh. you know what a pot is. And she just wanted me to go get the pot. So we yeah. spent five minutes with me going back and forth with my daughter to say, go find a pot. I was like, look, Finally, it finally got to the point I said, just pick something out of that bottom right yeah. there and show it to me and I will tell you yes or no. And we can go guess or check until yeah. you find the large pot. Um, but point is, uh, procedures seem easy to some. You and I yeah. cook a good bit. And so we're familiar, yeah. man. We get in there. I can read a poorly written recipe or something on the yeah. back of a note card. And, and make it make happen. the best maybe. of it. Um, for somebody who's never done it before, just reading, something mm-hmm. as simple as cooking is mac and not. cheese. Yes. 
and it was a multi-step <laughs> mac and cheese is not that easy. Yeah. And that brings us to well, today's episode. I, I, I will actually say this, right? So I, I mentioned the whole idea of, for me, cooking for 100 people is way easier than cooking for two people. That's my opinion. And the reason why I say it like that is because normally if it's cooking for two, it's just me and Amanda. And I'm like, ooh, I want to make something really good. You don't cook for the kids? You don't <clears> cook for five? It's an example, bro. Oh, okay. I'm just checking. Right? I didn't Whereas, know if you just like the Where if it's 100 themselves. people, it's probably one of my pool parties. And I'm either doing crawfish or I'm making fajitas. And that's just flip and go, flip and go, flip and go, flip and go, right? It's still a lot of prep work. Not really. You, you know what? So I tell you what. Next time you Not get really. Gemma out there and tell her to flip the fajitas and She's, see what she does. She He's done it. Oh, well, yeah. maybe your kids are better than mine. No, they're not. There's some exposure. Well, maybe so. I'm just saying I exposed my kids. Caleb's about to get exposure on the grill. So the point is... Send him to deal, Chris. Maybe I should take care of that one. <laughs> I might have to, man. I just say I was shocked that, like, it seemed like a very simple step in the process. Yeah. And my kids were, like, Things getting up on it. I'm like, wow, this, it, it just, like... Yeah. It's a big advantage to having done something multiple times before in terms of how you approach it. So that yeah. brings us to today. We deal with a lot of operators yep. across the spectrum when it comes to EMAT. And uh, you've heard us say before that EMAT's not like a lot of other technologies. Yeah. There's uh, there's kind of a learning curve, if you will. Yeah. And you and I could talk about that. But to be honest, I don't think we're the best ones. I think it's good for the audience. And to why hear is from that? You know, define it a little bit. Uh, I think the reason we might not be the best ones is a we came from uh, a vendor who did a lot of that. Yeah. And b uh, we're only one perspective. We've we've seen it from the vendor's perspective, right? We've actually not lived in the shoes. I have not lived in the shoes of an operator yeah. who had to ramp up from EMAT. And I think that that perspective is very different. Yeah, I would say. Um, so obviously. Um, I've had the privilege to see it from both sides. However, my experience as an operator was quite some time ago, and it wasn't the volume user, right? It was a scenario where we had to run it, right? We, we had an incident, yeah. and as a response to the incident, we had to run it, and the learning curve was quick. And I would say... And that uh, was early on. Too. And that was early on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. EMAT's a different now even <clears throat> it than is. it was when you ran it. And w what I would say is it's. I think that it kind of ties to our, 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 our little segue there a bit into... Um, I think a lot of times we fall in the rut of this is obvious. It's kind of like Aubrey yep. trying to find the pot. It's like get the big pot. It's kind of routine now. She's it's like, like this? yeah, no, this is what we need to do. So you could just move, right? Whereas, I think it's fair to say, right, that we would say the vast majority of operators haven't run an EMAP before. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, and if they do it for the first time and they don't get help, they might not even turn the oven on. <laughs> Let's bring on our guest. So today's guest is Mr. Mike Pruitt from Boardwalk. As he's coming on the show, I'll say, um, Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, uh, Thank you for having me. Y'all are really scraping the bottom of the barrel of the talent pool. <laughs> <laughs> we are not scraping the bottom no. of the barrel of the talent pool. We went for the best of the best. Yeah. Oh, man. We went for the perfect audience. Yes, Fantastic. we absolutely did. Um, and, and I want to say a little bit before uh, before I ask Mike to introduce himself, which is, you know, first off, huge thanks for joining us. I think yeah. you have, uh, as we mentioned, a lot of perspective to offer to operators. That's why I'm excited about this episode because you, uh, I think, in your program and the way you manage things looks a lot like a lot of operators out there. And so there's yeah. good advice and that they can glean from you. And saying that, I also want to say that Mike is uh, not representing Boardwalk in any way. It's our standard <laughs> disclaimer. Uh, this is Mike. At a bar, but it's not a bar because we're actually in his office. Um, having speaking, a discussion. Having a discussion. Tell him it's story time. It's his story time, right? Yeah. And so as such, uh, he's not giving you advice that he's liable or boardwalk's liable for. He's just helping you guys out. So, Mike, with that introduction and healthy disclaimer for all the attorneys, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What's your title? Well, before we started that, I kind of wanted to 
let Christopher know how much anxiety I have <laughs> about cooking. About about yeah about you cooking for a hundred friends in your backyard. Oh yeah. I would have anxiety if I have that many friends in my life. Uh, you know, I don't I, even have that many friends. Period. That's uh, so something so about that's, me. That's that's just crazy. To you. I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, oh so man, that's insane. I'll, I'll put it into perspective. So Leo, Leo, for his birthday, we were talking to him, and he was like, Dad, I'm two things. What's up, plan? He's like, I want a piñata, and I want crawfish. Wow. And I'm thinking, all right, so 75 people, crawfish, how many pounds is that? So, Wow. Five pounds yeah. a person? Yeah, it gets it gets fun real quick. Uh, wow. He might even say he wants that hair, too, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, that CDL. Leo's got hair. the CDL high if you yeah. haven't seen him. Yeah. Yeah. So, But anyway, I'm Mike Pruitt. I'm uh, the ILI Technology and Analytics Manager at BoardWalk. Uh, I've been uh, been at BoardWalk since about 2007. Okay. Uh, so... You know, I mean that—that's kind of me. I mean, that's—that's that's my role here. Do everything ILI and the analytics side, and we pick the digs and the technology, and kind of go from there. Great. So uh, obviously, the reason we brought you on is we're talking about EMAT today. Um, how would you describe yourself as a user of EMAT? Where do you put yourself on the spectrum? I, I would—I would say that we're pretty new user, and what brought mm. that on was really Ren2 being able to do a lot more. Um, I want to make sure RIN2, the portion that hasn't actually been officially adopted Correct. into code. So preemptively, you guys are engaging EMAT. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. We're, we're getting into this more mode of, of mega rule and yeah. uh, using EMAT. And, and I know it's been out there for a while, but we haven't been a huge user of it. It's been yeah. traditionally HydroTest for us. Um, but now getting in, it's been around for a while, right? Yeah. So I would say we're a new user. We ran a couple in the 2013 error. Yeah. Um, you know, did some some investigations on that. Didn't really have any uh, large indications to worry about. I mean, it was it, puddle welds and things like sure. that. And and so it uh, wasn't really beneficial for that uh, invested capital. Sure. So we just kind of moved on with our program, and it's really been a lot of MFL and, and all that up to this point. Until recently, uh, last year, we ended up running about 10 of them and there's about 10 on the schedule for this year as well so really getting into the new technology or i say new technology i mean yeah. it's been around for it's a, a new technology for you guys no I think, and, and i think that's fair to say right and if I, you, a decade ago was the last time you engaged it yeah it's a changed, changed a lot in a decade correct yeah correct and we were looking at a usage chart from back then it was very yeah. small yes. and that has just blossomed so yeah and you know mike i i think um What's pretty interesting is it's you guys, you know, you go from using one technology that you're really comfortable with, right? Let, let's just say MFL or Caliper, and then now you guys are ramping up to do to do EMAT. Um, how do you feel about that? Is that something you're like, yeah, we're, we're ready for this, or you're kind of anxious of it, like the whole 100-person uh, uh, cooking was for 100 cooking people? It was cooking for 1,000. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so different. I mean, we're really data-driven yeah. at, at, at BoardWalk. We always yeah. have been. We, yeah. we really uh, look at the amplitudes, and we've been doing that for 20 years, uh, even my predecessor who taught me. Yeah. Um, so we're very much in the data, always yeah. have been. And then looking at this data, is completely different. Yeah, um, it's just not the same. And then trying to figure out, you know, you got reflections, you transmitters, receivers. What's coming yeah. back? Why is it coming back? Yeah, how much modes, is coming back? All that fun stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just so much to go through, and you almost have to sit with these analysts yeah. um, to get a, a good understanding of what you're looking at. Because if you dig everything that they report, you're in a bind. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's just a big problem. So. 
So, you know, it's interesting because I, I like how you mentioned that talking to the analyst. That's been one of our fundamental talking points is that you, you do need to sit down with the analyst in a way that if you have expertise in Caliper and MFL, you don't necessarily need to. Um, I used to describe it as EMAT's kind of like there's four or five flags that you have to look at. Yeah. And so you're looking at a, maybe a reflector flag, an echo flag, a transmission flag. And sometimes those flags don't always agree, but you put them together to try and actually determine whether or not you think that feature is reportable, or I should say the analyst does. Yeah. And it's not as simple, like if you're just going off amplitudes, it, that's confusing to talk about. That's the biggest red blob. But yeah, the biggest red blob may not actually be the feature that you're interested in. So have y'all had a lot of, um, what have your experiences been talking to the analysts? Is that something you'd pretty strongly recommend to somebody coming on board? Absolutely. I mean, if you don't understand what's being reported, mm -hmm. you're really missing the mark here. And so talking yeah. to the analyst, you get a, a better feel for what they see, why they see it. You know, if you ran other technology with it, if you ran your MFL and you're used to running MFL or a CMFL and how yeah. those signals actually, what do they do? Do they cancel them out? Do they add to, to the call? You know, how does that all play in it? So having an understanding of what the analysis or the analysis team is doing yeah. is, is very important from my perspective. So help me understand, and, and you, yeah. when does that happen in the process for you guys? Was, and it, was this something you did from run one? Or did run one, you're like, you know what, we got this on our own, we're gonna handle this? Was that a learning curve for you? So what I'll say about run one, the 2013, let's just say, okay. So last year, we knew it was gonna be a, a you know, a big, I don't want to say problem, newness, yeah. you know, Challenges. so from the very beginning, we were talking to the analyst team, yeah. um, our project managers with the vendor, um, and even consulting a bit with other people in the industry, our peers, um, other uh, consultants, just to kind of get an understanding of what are we in for. You Getting know? help. And yeah, I was say, they did a good job yeah. of get help. Yeah, you reached we out had and got to help. get help. Yeah. And we're still at a part to where we have to get help. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that you just have to deal with that if you don't have help, you're just going to be on an island. And either you're just going to take what the report is and dig up your entire pipeline, which isn't fair to uh, the operator to do that. It's not, a, it's not a good use of your resources no, if you think about it, No, it's right? really not. You, you, you have to really put your money where the most risk is and, yeah. and digging up a puddle weld or, or something that, that has a reflection that, that doesn't matter or this below specification that's reported. You know, you just have to take all of the considerations in and you have to have the people on your team to help you understand what those considerations should yeah. be. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a big takeaway that I that I got from you, right? Is it's <clears throat> one of the earlier comments you made was it's if you're not careful, you're just gonna dig up every feature, and, and you kind of drew a conclusion there and said that's not a great decision. Right. right, but you do have to get your feet wet, and you're going to do a lot of digging up front. Yeah, and so you have to prepare yourself for that, prepare management for that, yeah. um, and just know that you're gonna have to have a lot of digs in your bucket in order to feel better about What's not doing, on? not digging something later. And th the other thing that I thought was pretty interesting is it's, um, and, and Mike, you know, we appreciate what you said is that, you know, your team is, is focused on looking at some of the amplitudes. In that case, let's just, let's broadly categorize that as well, like caliper tools and magnetic base tools like MFLA, MFLC, et cetera. EMAT's not like that. Right, and so that kind of sounds like it puts you in a little bit of a different situation to where you're pretty comfortable doing something back to cooking for a hundred people, and and we know how to do this, and we know how to choose what we're going to dig and not dig, 
And now with EMAT, it's just different, right? There's not simple amplitudes that you can look at and say, ah, oh, that makes sense. So if an operator is expecting to do that, then you said they really need to engage the analyst and invest time in that. Any couple of lessons learned in that process of engaging the analyst? So, hey, I'm comfortable with MFL, A or C or S, but when you look at EMAT, you're talking to analysts, this is maybe some things you should you should think about or, you know, appreciate you're going to be a bit vulnerable with, right? You want to lean on your experience, but maybe you can't. Right. And, you know, everybody wants to feel like they have the right answers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm a big, big enough person to know that I don't have all the right answers right now related to EMAT. And so that's why we lean on that analyst. And it's a learning process for yeah. me and my team. I have a team of two people. Very good. <laughs> Uh, analysts that, that are looking through MFL and CMFL and, and now EMAT. And it's a challenge, right? It was also even a challenge to get the software loaded on our computers. Mm. And now we're still in a process of looking at what the data is, what the signal is, and how to really put that in a library of what we're digging up and learning. And then kicking that information back to the analyst and saying, Hey, this is kind of what it was. Didn't really match up to, mm. you know, uh, maybe a linear A indication or whatever that yeah. indication might have been. So help us understand what you were looking at to call it this. Yeah. So that's still our process currently. So one of the things that stuck with me from that, and I really just like it, was the get help aspect. Because not yeah. only did you lean, and not consultants, I like how you leaned on other people within the industry. So as you go from being new user to mature, are you going to share that knowledge with other people? <laughs> can, can people call Mike Pruitt to get Way help? Way to put him on the well, spot. I know, good here. grace. So we can take a break, too, if you're not ready to answer. We had, you know, absolutely. Because, honestly, quarterly, I have an ILI mastermind call. Yeah. And it's just some operators mm, that get okay. on, in there, on there. And we kick ideas around and talk about, uh, you know, problems in the industry. You know, and oh, I, my, I have been recently talking about EMAT. Yeah. You know, I've got some other really well-versed individuals that share their information. And I share information about topics they may want. So it's been very interesting. And leaning on your peers and sharing that information is very important. That's very important. So cool. it's, it's There's some companies out there that have spent millions of dollars yeah. building their procedures and what they're doing. And so I lean on that. And I expect people to lean on me for that information too. It's very helpful to the industry. Well, there you go. If you need to run EMAT, you can call Mike Pruitt and get help directly from him. But actually, we're going to pick up on the way back. I want to come back and start talking about uh, feature lists and excavations. But we're going to take a break. We'll hear from one of our sponsors, and we'll be right back. So about that ILA mastermind. director and co-founder of ADV Marketing. We get the honor of working with Rhett and Christopher to produce this crazy podcast and also work with them on any other initiatives that they have when it comes to marketing. And if you know them or are listening to this podcast, you know that it gets pretty crazy around here. So we have a lot of fun with them. ADV Marketing is a full-service business-to-business marketing agency. Um, we specialize in service companies and technology companies. So if you are enjoying listening to this podcast and the fun that they're having, reach out to us and see how we can make your marketing fun. Welcome back. We are here with a member of the ILI Masterminds talking about EMAT with Mike Pruitt. And so, so is this a secret society? How, how do you, do you have to get jumped in? You know, we're kind of towards. handshake? No, no, no handshake. <laughs> Show us and, the handshake. Uh, no handshake. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, just, just, can you name names? 
No, I, I, it's 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 pretty secret, pretty high tech secret Dude, stuff. That so we, so I, I just saw Wakanda Forever do. They're legit. They have like the whole thing, and then they do this kind of stuff. Like yeah. that would be so cool if you have a handshake. They do. He's just not allowed to, to disclose it. After the after next the, time after, at PPIM, the episode, we're gonna, we're gonna to, yeah, at PPIM, just watch. Be like, what's he doing? There it is. I think I saw the handshake. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Mike, you did a really great job setting up how your experiences were different with Emat in the first half yep. of our podcast. Loved it. I want to get into receiving the report now and in the ditch. So, uh, from you guys' perspective, uh, when you got your first list of features. Um, I mean, what did you guys do? What would you recommend to an operator when they get the first list of features? What did y'all struggle with? Any? What do you uh, have? Don't freak out. <laughs> don't freak don't out. Don't freak out. So you're going to get a lot of information on there, yeah. and you're really going to be overwhelmed. And and so that was one of my big things about making sure that you're prepped for this. Um, you know, some of the things that that we struggled with was you know, what to have on that report. I mean, as an operator, mm -hmm. you have the ability to say what you want on that report. So you may want to not have FPRs or burst calculations done yeah. as of yet, because yeah. what you really need to do is have pipe properties. What we've learned is that if you have pipe properties, then you can actually rely on some of the uh, burst, burst pressure pressures pressure. that you're yeah. getting. Now, if you don't have that, you have to use defaults, uh, has a Different little bit situation. of adverse reaction yeah. or adverse, you know, yep. burst pressure. So, you know, that was one of the things that we learned early on. Um, we did do a lot of digging, and I think maybe on the first couple we might have dug, over dug, maybe dug everything, yeah. just to get the confidence of what is what. Get some experience, yeah. right? Get some experience you under to. your belt. Yeah. Because anytime you get, let's just say, you get a linear indication, the industry knows that as a crack-like indication, yeah. you know, uh, it's what it kind of relates to. So anytime that somebody's getting a report back and you're pretty new at it and you're saying, You're thinking oh, high risk, yeah, right? Yeah, it's like, you're anxious. Like it's, it's, yeah. you're, you're about to have a big problem, but yeah. that's not really the case. Yeah. But as a new user, you're like, oh, yeah, well, I, I have to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm on a thin I, line I want, here. I want to bring this back into cooking for hundred people, right? So you're not sure if the fire's right. You get that first slab of fajitas on there. You turn, you're like, oh, is it overcooked? Is it undercooked? And then once people start eating, you're like, oh my God, they're still eating. And so your anxiety comes down and you're just turning and burning. I can imagine it's the same, right? As you're getting the report and you're doing more digs, your anxiety kind of maybe you get more comfortable with it. And you're like, you know what? This has this burst pressure, but I'm pretty sure I understand what the results are going to be. Exactly. I mean, all we are in, in integrity, yeah. we're trying to do the right thing, regardless yeah. of what that is. I don't care if we have to go dig up the world if it's a concern. Yeah. Mm. But we just have to be mindful of what's not a concern. Yeah. So, you know, the uh, detection limitations, the specifications, uh, these calculations that you're doing. Um, so that's a lot of front end work. It, you're it hitting really on you're hitting again on things that Chris and I often harp on, and I'm glad you're bringing out. Which is, if you're running EMAT to kick the tires, and you're not prepared to talk about whether or not you're getting a prelim report, what's in that prelim report, what it looks like, what your reporting specification is, do you have material properties? You can't just wait and get a final report. Yeah. Um, the other thing I think it's really important that you brought out is when you get that final report. You even mentioned over-excavating, and I thought, when's the last time you over-excavated for an MFL? It's been a while. Right? So it's there you go. <laughs> it's really different. So um, I'm curious, you know, I mean, th there's probably a lot of conversations that have to take place to explain to other stakeholders, hey, this is why we're digging. Hey, yeah. this is what we're doing, right? I mean, it's... Um, 
it's not like any other technology, and I think especially as you you become accustomed to it, it, it really it really brings to light the whole concept of change management, right? Management yeah. of change. Like yes, you're picking and you're digging and you're keeping the pipe round, sounding in the ground, but there is change, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys have to cover those bases. I, I wanted to highlight something you said that I thought was really interesting, and I want to bring that to the forefront. You know, you said being specific about what's being reported in each report, and I think that's a really good point, right? So. You also brought in Mega Rule or, or RIN too. So we see that API 1163 is now incorporated by reference in code. So that's code now. And just as a pointer, it's, you know, you said we're used to NMFL reports, for example, having burst pressure calculations. But in EMAT, you might not want to do that, right? Because one, you're probably still qualifying the highlight indications. Is this something that's truly of concern that I need a burst pressure for? Right? Or is this something like mill manufacturing, as an example? And on the other one is it's, um, what report does that come in, right? You might want burst pressures, but that might not come until a later report, right? That doesn't necessarily have to be on the front end. So I, I think that's definitely something people can appreciate um, as they get more involved in the EMAT program th- themselves. So now I want to pick up in the ditch, right? So you're going in the ditch. Um, I want to ask how prepared did you feel for that or how, what, what challenges or maybe advice have you encountered as you went in the ditch prepared to see one thing? Is that what you found in the ditch? How did you go through the process of reconciling that? So in the ditch was, you know, it's it's a whole new can of worms too. You're not going in there with a pit gauge and and just a UT looking for corrosion or or you know your caliper measuring a dent. Now you're looking for stuff that is very hidden. So, you know, whatever your procedure is, I mean, certainly most time we excavate, we're going to be doing magging and things yeah. of that nature. But now you're actually looking for potential small cracking um, if that's been whatever this linear indication could be and it's some type of reflection that the tool's seeing so you have to find out what that reflection is so really talking to my industry peers about the best people to go out in that ditch and do that analysis for us and that's where your peer group comes back into play Mm. about maybe you couldn't find anything and you talk to another operator and saying hey hey who are you using to be able to find out what your the best process was to actually find this indication and did you feel confident did you need to send it to the lab and we actually did some lab work as well so you did destructive evaluations we did as well we did. We did some burst testing on uh, about four different... So not even just metallurgical. You actually pulled them out of the ground and burst tested them, full-scale testing. Right. We did full-scale testing on, on four indications, and then we probably fractured uh, 15 or 20 of them. Do you mind? How did, I'd like to ask you, yeah. how did that information help you? So how did the information that you got from destructive evaluations metallurgically and the full-scale testing, what did that do for you on the back end? So the biggest takeaway from the burst testing was that the burst pressure in no way, form, or fashion matched the calculated burst pressures that we expected. Um, Much lower, much higher? Yeah, they were much, much higher. Hmm. The burst pressures that we're getting, I I don't want to say across the entire spectrum, but so far across the spectrum are ultra conservative, which actually makes us feel a lot better about what we're potentially leaving in the line, what we're yeah. digging, and, and things of that nature. So we're we're constantly building our knowledge base, yeah. and um, and that was 
probably the best information that we have that, to make us feel good in my small team. Because then you can sleep yeah. at night. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. And that's, that's like what I dug, we're all I dug the do. worst ones. We bursted them. Lots of conservatism. So, I mean, we can rest. So for a, 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 an up-and-coming new user, you did a, a lot of things that are yeah. pretty impressive. I have to say, because you took the step of running EMAT, you said you overdug. All of these things have costs associated with them. You cut them out of the ground. You did destructive evaluations. Then you even burst tested some. I mean, that's, I would say, a comprehensive program yeah. that's well, going to give you. I mean, I really say kudos it helps to you, you and yeah, it, it, Your experience goes up. Your maturity and yeah. understanding the evaluation comes up. And it gives you, I bet it gives you confidence in running 10 of these. It, it, uh, uh, estimated, right? It does. I mean, and it is. It is a great kudos to our management to believe in the technology yeah. and to believe in us as a department to actually gain that knowledge. And use and those to, resources. Yes. I mean, that's an investment. Yes. You, said, you, you, said, investment. you said earlier, you know, maybe the, inve the capital investment wasn't commensurate to the value you received. How do you feel about now? It was, uh, I mean, it, it's great. I mean, yeah. I, 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 you know, I, there's nothing more to be said about it. I mean, you have to do the things that we're doing to feel confident about it. So, uh, so let's qualify that a little bit, right? So if someone says, we're going to an EMAT, we don't have, I don't even say TVC records, but we haven't done any fracture toughness uh, testing on the pipe we're inspecting, and and they haven't talked to their peers, would you say it's wise for them to run an email at that point, or should they probably wait a little bit? I think it depends on the application, right? Yeah. I mean, if you if you typically hydro it and you're in the mountains somewhere and you have a problematic and you're doing sections and this, that, and the other, um, what I would recommend to a new operator, generally we have to dig up the pipe every now and again and do, yep. do something. Yep. So you need to start building a library and pull in samples of your pipe yeah. and, and do these, uh, the lab testing on it so you have that information if you yeah. ever plan on doing uh, some EMAT runs. So, I mean, that's the prep work in EMAT is just totally different than MFL. I mean, MFL's been around since the 60s. We yeah. got that, we have it going on yeah. on MFL. EMAT, I mean, what, what we started running 2000, early 2000s yeah. or so. So early it's still were, relatively yeah. new, I guess. Yeah. So I have it, two it's questions. Mature. It's mature, but when we say new, we mean its use across the spectrum of all operators. Right. right. I if mean, you, if, yeah. if I had a, a pipeline that was put in in 2000, that's new. Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah. So well, I have two, <laughs> two questions for you. I'd like to hear your thoughts on how you're reconciling it. So if, if, if you dug an MFL feature, corrosion feature, and you burst tested it, and you got a rupture strength that was 50% higher than you predicted, you'd be like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. But it sounds like I just threw 50% out there. You didn't. That was on me. I'm assuming you're getting stuff that's really high when you're doing the burst test. How did you reconcile that for the EMAT tool? Well, And what types of conversations do you have after? Because you get pushed back, like, well, why are we digging anything? Or how do you close the loop on that? Well, Because it, it's a big gap. It is a big gap. And... It's, it's more testing and it's still up for discussion. Mm -hmm. You know, even at PPIM, I was in some papers where we were mm -hmm. talking about, you know, MAT-8 or any, any other, uh, you know, failure modes that are calculators that we're using out there. And the, yeah. the difference between doing those calculations on an actual known crack versus yeah. a called EMAT, yeah. which is likely going, I'm careful with my words here, yeah. likely going to be conservative. I yeah. mean, the tolerance is, is a little bit wider on yeah. EMAT, right? Yeah. And it tends to seem like most of the time it's on the conservative side, but we have seen some on the other side as well. Yeah. Um, you know, with all of that, I don't know the answer. I don't know mm -hmm. because 
you know, we have to get better. To we have to get better at the calls to put in the calculators to get more accurate burst pressures, yeah. and and that's just the gap. I it, think it, that's it's the also gap. it's also the pipeline, though, right? I mean, had this been a pipeline that you know you have integrity issues with related to cracking. I bet that would also change the perspective of how conservative was conservative based on the burst pressures, right? Because it could have gone the other way. Correct. Right? Yeah. You could have had high burst pressures, but your guys in the ditch are like, you know, they're they're doing either you know buffing out cracks and you're getting below, you know, deeper than fifty percent, and you're like, man, this stuff is bursting high, but. I don't know, you know, I've got 300 of these calls. I don't know how comfortable I feel about leaving any of this stuff in the ground, right? So it's right. probably pretty easy to go the other way too, I bet. It is, <clears throat> and, and you, you really put the call in perspective also. I mean, are you looking at a seam call or a pipe body call? Yeah. Pipe body calls, you put a little bit more, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to say weight, but yeah. you know, they're, they're sitting out there all by themselves in indication, whereas a seam mm -hmm. is already kind of messy and loud and got a lot going on. Mm -hmm. And depending on your seam type, I mean, if you have like an AO Smith pipe with mm -hmm. that big seam on the outside, yeah you're going to get some lack of fusion, which is kind of a known thing. So it's really dependent on your pipeline of, yeah. uh, in your situation. So Mike, you've been a great guest. Um, I have one more question for you. Two more, actually. Um, <laughs> we're going to close the show out with. Are you, uh, would you consider yourself an avid listener of the podcast? <laughs> oh. I'm about to test you if you... If well, you, you can't test me. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I would not the test The customer's me, so. always right. Yeah. Say the customer's uh -oh. always right, Rhett. <laughs> to, to be honest, I, I went on the uh, on the site today and I was like, oh man, how long are these shows? Yeah. And so I lo started looking through at how long all of them which are. Which one did you click? Which, which one did you click? Well, I, I didn't click on any oh, okay. of them, but they all say the, the length and, yeah. and the minutes. And you know, they were ranging from 31 minutes to 46 minutes. I was like, yeah. all right, where are we going to be here? So <laughs> You're doing well is what yeah, I'll say. Well, here's yeah. the question I had. We got asked in our last Q&A episode, if an operator goes into the ditch and finds nothing, is that good? And the question was asked specific to EMAT. So now I'm going to ask it to you. We answered it, which means now people are going to go listen to our answer and then come back. No, because they'd have to find it. Oh, no, that's you, true. You said now it, you have to listen to episodes. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you, Mike, if you get a call from EMAT and you go into the ditch and you find nothing, is that good? Well, I mean, it's a yes and no question. Okay, come on, give me the <laughs> yes and the no. I mean, yes, you don't have an integrity threat right there. Yeah. So. But but no, the tool saw something. Mm -hmm. There's something there. Something yeah. caused a reflection. Yeah. Something's going on. And, you know, it's interestingly enough, we may or may not have that happen to us. And as a last-ditch effort, mm -hmm. send X-ray out there. Mm. Sent an x-ray out there and they're like, well, you know, probably not going to see anything because PAUT didn't see anything, you know, MAG didn't see anything, yeah. this, that, and the other. Well, let's send an x-ray because I'm in the, I want to find something. You guys really if ran I, this into the ground. If I dug something up <laughs> and, and there's some type of, and, and because we're data driven, yeah. we see the signal, we know yeah. there's something The ditch there. is open. I've already it's, spent it's the there. money. Give me the time. Find yeah, it. So, Mm. Last ditch effort. Let's uh, let's send a, a X-ray out there. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, and there was three very light shadows in mm -hmm. there. So there's some type of midwall manufacturing type inclusion or or whatever that may have been. Yeah. But <clears throat> um, so to answer your question, we want to find out why? what was called yeah. and why and get to the bottom of it. Yeah. But. I'm very happy that there was no integrity threat there. Yeah. I think you actually did a better job answering that question. I think I was the one that fielded that question on the Q&A episode. I think Mike did a better job. The customer's well, always right. Customer's always right. So, um, Mike, I want to say thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Uh, to our operators out there and our, our listeners of the show, uh, hopefully you got, I got a lot 
um, Mike has done a really good job hammering home points that we've made. I, I think overarching is, is get help if you're going to be a new user. There's people like the masterminds, of which mm-hmm. Mike is now. And if you t-shirt? if you get Probably in, you better let us, since you learned about it on the show. Give us the handshake, please. You have to come on the show, <laughs> teach us the handshake. Then it's so public. That, so that yeah. <laughs> hey, but knowledge- don't really get help. And recognize that EMAT and MFL are different and be prepared to run it. Mike, I think you did a good job hammering those points home. I want to say thank you for joining us. And um, living up to the the hype of the show, you did a great job. On that note, to our audience, we'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Pipeline Things. And if you want to hear operators like Mike or myself answer your questions, you never ever know when they'll get used. So submit your questions from all this episode or any of our episodes as we gear up to do another Q&A. Thanks, and we'll see you again in two weeks.